0: to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges cannot play with him. Rick Gosslin cannot win with him. And Clark Judge cannot coach with him. Can't do it. On Yahoo Sports Radio. I want winners. Finger
1: Finger <laughs> Our first guest is one of the most influential GMs in recent NFL history. Ernie Acorsi not only drafted John Elway, but engineered the -the out-of-the-box move that delivered Bernie Kosar to Cleveland, and the trade that delivered Eli Manning and two Super Bowls to the New York Giants. He's one of the smartest, shrewdest, and most trustworthy GMs I've met in any sport. In fact, Ernie was the first NFL GM I ever covered. And I'll never forget what he told me when I met him. I will never lie to you. I may not answer a question, but I will never lie to you. And he never did. Ernie, of course, I appreciate that. And it's a privilege to have you join us.
0: Clark, it's my privilege. Thank you very much. You're very kind.
1: Ernie, your record of drafting quarterbacks speaks for itself, as I just mentioned. What quality were you looking for in the quarterbacks you scouted?
0: Well, Clark, there are certain measurables. I mean, Eddie LeBaron was five five, but you, you're not going to draft five five quarterback. Uh, so there are certain measurables, obviously, that that are important. Although I'm not saying uh, you know that you have to be six four. Drew Brees proves that. Russell Wilson proves that. But given the standard measurables, you know, a, a solid arm at least, and in, in different physical attributes. The first lesson. Yeah, you know, first I came into the league with Johnny United, So. I had the gold standard right from the start, but I was at my first training camp was in Golden, Colorado, because the Colts, Baltimore Colts didn't play preseason games at home, so we would open the preseason on in the West Coast, and we went to Golden, Colorado for training camp, Colorado School of Mines, and I was standing on the field. Now I had been with Penn State for two years, so I hadn't seen United's place in 67 in person when he had a great year, but he had been injured since then, tore the 10s in his elbow. I'm standing on the field with Milt Davis, a great corner the 58 team who was then a west coast scout for us and somebody that i really really respected and i'm looking at united and i can see that that velocity is not there anymore i mean he looked you know he was the speed from his arm it just wasn't in his mobility wasn't really that great either and i said to it's almost a sacrilegious statement but i i said to milk can we still win with him And I'll never forget Milt said, Ernest, let me just tell you something. You evaluate a quarterback on his ability to take the team down the field in the last two minutes with the championship on the line and into the end zone. That's how you evaluate the quarterback. And that's a simplified way of saying that the intangibles that you, and it's almost like you can't see them, you have to feel them. And it's it's the guy, if you're on the other side of the field, that scares the heck out of you. And it's the guy that's on your side of the field that you know somehow you always have a chance with him in a ball game. And I always defi- define United's leadership is when you, you're nervous on the road, you're more nervous on the road than you are at home. When you're sitting on that bus at the hotel and watch him get on it, the first thing you think of, we got a chance. He's on our side, right. Right. and that's the best way I can describe it.
1: Ernie, what's what's the biggest trap facing teams that are desperate for quarterbacks, especially those at the top of the board?
0: Rick, you just you got to be so careful because it. You know, look, we. I just got done interviewing. I consulted with the Bears. I just got in, got done interviewing uh, several candidates, and one of the candidates who interviewed for the general manager's job said, you know, I you're just going to have to settle in and, and not have a quarterback because they're too hard to find, and there are only five or six that make a difference. I said You can't look at it that way. You're being hired to find them. They've been found in other rounds. However, you cannot go into the draft and say, we've got to get a quarterback. Now, you can go into the draft and say, I really like so-and-so in the fourth round. You know, he might have a chance. He has some qualities. He's not going to get picked high. I'd like to see him. Give him a chance and see if we can develop, and that's fine. But if you're in a, in a year that really has some question marks about the elite guy, and you're picking high, and you pick that guy out of need, it's a ticket to disaster because if you bust on a high pick, and I mean top five, six pick for a quarterback, that's going to set you back, that could set you back eight years. Because first of all, most of them don't play well early, so you're going to rationalize that away. And then if he's a bust and he doesn't improve, now you're into the fifth year. And, you know, you've blown those five years, and now you have to start all over again. And it sets you back. I mean, if you're going to pick that high or you're going to trade up high to pick the quarterback, you better hit on it, or you're probably not going to survive as a general manager.
1: You know, Ernie, we know about the home runs. Clark mentioned them, Elway, Kosar, Manning. Do you have an under-the-radar pick, a uh, pick that you're particularly proud of that maybe that exceeded expectations?
0: I have a couple, and, and they're all kind of tied for different reasons. It, you know, when we traded, we made the Eli trade. We only had four picks for, for the next year, and I got scorched on that. And the, I guess the thing I'm proudest of is we only had four picks. Three of them were were the quarterback, Corey Webster, Just, Justin Tuck, and Brandon Jacobs. Mm-hmm. That's three out of the four players we picked. And I, I would say that without... If we didn't have any of those three, just one of those three, we wouldn't have won the Super Bowls. But I'd say Justin Tuck. And w- and what happened with him was the same thing happened with Corey Webster. They're both first-round players that were hurt, but they played hurt. If they wouldn't have played, they probably would have gone higher, but they played hurt and didn't play well. And we gambled on, on Tuck as the big one because of my propensity for pass rushers, but but I think the gem that I'm proudest of is David Tyree. And, and, and it's funny, it isn't because of the catch, but we picked him in the sixth round. He was the best special teams player I ever saw in my 35 years. I mean, he made every tackle at Syracuse, on every kickoff, every punt. I mean, he was defied belief. You would turn the tape on and and you, you'd have to call other people in to say, look at this. So we picked him purely... As a special team player, when we got him, we start, There's no tape on him as a receiver. When we got him, we realized this guy's not a bad receiver. But here's the interesting thing: he, I mean, he was a bonus as a receiver. He would have made the team as a special team player. The day before the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl against the Patriots, I did not go to practice. I ran into Jerry Reese in the lobby. He said, "You know, they they had some plays in for Tyree. He dropped every pass they threw to him." Now, here's what's so great about Tom Coughlin. He didn't get scared. I put him in the game at a pretty crucial spot. And, right. you know, the rest is history. He makes probably the greatest catch in the history of the Super Bowl. But I'm really, really proud of him because of, you know, he's a guy maybe you wouldn't have even picked because he didn't have a position. But it shows you how important some of these guys are in the later rounds. And you can find people. But Justin Tuck really because he was a third-rounder. I mean, he was he was a first-round player.
1: We're talking to former GM Ernie, of course, on the Talk of Fame Network, and Ernie, we're going to be talking about character versus talent on this show. How did you balance the two when you were drafting, and, and could you live with a guy who had a lot of one and not so much
0: of the other? Well, that's a you know that's a tough question because it's it's a, it's such a fine line. You know, I define character by something Jerry West, who I thought was a great general manager, said. The first question I ask when I scout a when i scout a player is is he a good teammate you can't be a good teammate without some character now you know people can get into trouble you have to study what trouble is is it just a mistake is it a mistake any one of us could have made or is it is it a repetitive constant disregard for rules and the law now now you're asking you know you're asking for trouble but here here's an example plexical Burris went to jail plexical Burris was one of the best teammates we ever had and that will be attested by other players on that team, one of the best people I've been around in pro football, a great person. And he made a terrible mistake. He did something that was not very smart. But if you don't go behind the scenes on something like that, then you miss a player. So it's you have to study. I mean, we look at their backgrounds going back to junior high school and high school and what their behavior pattern is. When we signed Kerry Collins, I remember New York Times did a tremendous uh, – take out on him. And Bill Pennington told me he said I talked to everybody from his junior high school coach to his high school coach to his teammates, to teachers and everything else. He said everybody I talked to it, you had already talked to them. Now, he was at Penn State and I certainly trusted Paternal. I had worked for him. And Pater you know, I, and I trusted what Paternal told me, but that didn't stop us from making sure that we thought we had the basis of a real good person and he you know, he's lived an excellent life. I mean, he, he's been in no trouble. He really helped us. I mean, he didn't win a Super Bowl for us, but he got us to a Super Bowl. And, he, and he's been a terrific citizen ever since. I've ever since that one incident that he ran into when he was in, in Carolina. But so I, it, you, you have to have a guy who the other players will respect, who, who isn't always looking to cause splits on your team but and as a competitor. And, and another test of it is, will he play in the clutch? Is he somebody who comes through when the chips are down, or is he somebody that in the middle of October in the second quarter, up by three touchdowns, he makes a play or two, but when the game's on the line, you can't find him. That that Those are things that, to me, make up character.
1: Ernie, when we had uh, Ron Wolf on, he told us the board was basically set a month before the draft. Was that true with your board and... Uh... What if anything would cause you to make adjustments uh, late, late last week or this week?
0: That was true. That was true with me too. And you start meetings in October, and you start, you know, and then you go to the All Star Games, and uh, and come back, and then you start your spring meetings, and you, you're putting you're putting all this work in the board. Now, here, you know, you mentioned Ron Wolf when he retired. He mentioned at his outgoing press conference which knocked me out of my chair. He said the greatest scout he had ever been around was Joe Thomas. I called him the next morning, and I said, how do you know Joe Thomas? Because he never worked for Joe Thomas. I had worked for Joe Thomas for three years. He said, I follow him around like a puppy dog. He's the best evaluator I've ever known. Well, he's the best evaluator I ever knew. I mean, I learned how to be a general manager from George Young and Jim Thinks, but I learned how to scout from Joe Thomas. (laughs) And Joe would put that board up there, and you know what he would do now? that things are a little different now. He would sit alone in that draft room with a legal pad, and he would write down 350 players in order regardless of the position. Now, And he would just check them off, and that's how he would draft, with these exceptions. When we picked Burt Jones, he wasn't picking Bartkowski the next year. And, and, if, sure. and if there were players that have somewhat equal ability, and there was a pass rusher there and a guard, he wasn't picking the guard. As, you know, as he told me one time, when Wellington Mara's father walked out of Yankee Stadium on December 28, 1958, he did not say, Art Spinney just beat us, okay? <laughs> he said, John, United <laughs> just beat us. And, and that was a great lesson for me because, you know, it. it and I picked a, I picked a guard at the top of the second round, Chris Snee. and I did that because he was so far the best player on the board, and we had pretty much had our team set we had all the defensive line pass rushers we we we, you know we had plexico we had antonio pierce we had eli our offensive line was set certainly we could have used another safety or another corner but i thought our offensive line needed a tough young guy and he fit in perfectly but not before not at the expense of a pass rusher our pass rushers were pretty well set
1: Hey, Ernie, we're out of time, but we want to thank you for the insight. As always, a pleasure hearing from you, and take care of that dog. Take him out for a walk, would you please? That dog is, is a, you know, he's doing this for
0: spite, because I'm not giving him any attention, that's right. <laughs> that
1: was former GM Ernie of course Thanks again, Ernie. When we return, we'll talk character versus talent in the draft, and maybe Ernie's dog. This is the Talk of Fame Network.